Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. his glory and that he can just be kind to you. That's what he wants. Amen. Thank you, Father. I don't know. There's just that peace. You know, when we were praying before, I could just see Jesus. There was just, I could just see him like he was standing back in the back here. And, you know, a lot of times I'll get visions. Like when I go to pray for someone, I will see, I'll see like a picture. I'll see a vision. I'll see Jesus. I'll see an angel, you know. And and to me, when I say I see it, it's, it's almost like it's a memory. You know, it's like they were standing there. And then if they were to have walked away, and then you remember what they look like standing there, that, to me, that's kind of how I see. You know, that, that's how I am aware of certain things in, in the spirit realm. <clears throat> For other people, it's different. I've heard of some people that actually see physical angels standing in the room. And they're here, by the way. They're, they just are. There are angels in this place carrying messages for you. And I remember, and this is kind of this is kind of interesting. I'll just tell this story. But I was um, I was at this small group one time, and people were asking for prayer. And there was this one young guy that was. Uh, he said, uh, "Yeah, I'd like prayer for my. What do we do? We got some kind of sounds going or something. You can you can mute those back there. <clears throat> but um, this guy said he wanted prayer." For his lizards. You pray for my lizards. He's like, okay. And uh, turned out he, he raised um, different amphibians, snakes and lizards and chameleons and just all those, you know, creepy things. And we all just kind of prayed. And so I saw this blue galvanized metal bucket over his head full of water. And so I just looked at him and I said, does, um, does a blue galvanized metal bucket mean anything to you full of water? And he stopped and he kind of looked around and he said, well, that's what I used to feed all my animals in. And I said, well, do you do that now? You know, I didn't know. I'm like, okay, God, I'll just kind of follow you through on this. And he says, uh, no, I don't, I don't feed him in that anymore. I said, well, how was it when you did feed him in that? And he stopped, he thought, and he's like, well, you know, actually, when I was feeding them all out of the same bucket in that thing, that's when I had my highest productivity rate. I was like, well, there you go. Just a little simple answer. God's showing you go back to that. <laughs> and that, you know, that's just so insignificant. And he may be even a little bit weird, but, you know, we just got to pay attention. We have to pay attention. So many times we miss what God's trying to say to us. Because we're looking for the big booming voice or, you know, we've already predetermined what it's supposed to look like. And you won't see some, some picture, uh, a vision, uh, 
a word spoken spoken to you that may lead you down a different path of what it is that you think needs to happen. Because we're busy trying to force what we think our blessing should look like. Don't we do that? This is what my blessing's supposed to be, God. I've defined it. I've laid it out. I've given you all the points. Now, now do that. And then if it doesn't happen exactly that way, we get all bent out of shape and we don't even see any other opportunities, any other options. Am I just talking to me? And, you know, that's, that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about power versus force or spirit versus force. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. I'll just kind of review a couple of the scriptures we looked at in the past couple of weeks. In uh, Ecclesiastes 9. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11. He says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happens to them all. And since you found Ecclesiastes, go ahead and flip on over to Zechariah. <laughs> I hear pages. I'll give you a minute. Zechariah is the one that... Um, that's what these several weeks are just kind of wrapped up about. And, it, you know, I mean, just isn't, isn't it good news to know that the race... Now, the things of God, in the way of God, the race, the goal, whatever it is that you're trying to see happen, is not to how fast you are. You know, it's not about your effort. So in Zechariah 4, are you guys over there? Zechariah 4, 6, he says... <clears throat> Then he answered and spoke to me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. You can put your name in there. Probably easier to say than Zerubbabel. Saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And, well, you know, we have so mysticized what spirit is. And detached ourselves from what it actually looks like to walk in the Spirit. <clears throat> you know, Jesus was pretty relatable. You know, Jesus would show up at the bars. He'd show up at the just regular people's homes and in the town. And just the, just the regular down-to-earth people were attracted to him. It was the strange religious that had a hard time with him. You know, he wasn't some odd, mystical figure floating through the streets, you know, with angels clearing the path for him. I mean, he was just a real person. You know, they even accused him of being a drunk. His first miracle was changing water to wine. He just was not the stuffy, religious, you know, robotic Jesus that we have the picture of. 
God's kind of steering me on the inside, so I'm paying attention. You just have to bear with me. But it wasn't as if it was for him walking in the spirit looked any different than what we can do. You know, yes, he was the son of God, but he was a man completely yielded to the spirit of God with all the limitations that we have as human beings. Says he was tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin. Now, is Jesus God? Yes. But something supernatural happened that when God took on flesh and came into this earth, he became man with all the limitations. The Bible says that God can't be tempted, but yet it says that Jesus was tempted. So when Jesus was here, he didn't have his Godhood on. He was a man. And he had to walk and figure out how to follow the Spirit of God, just like what we have to do. He's the perfect example. That's why when he prayed in John 17, he said, God, the glory that I had when I was with you, I'm ready to take that back. Oh, and by the way, I want to give it to them too. Now, that doesn't mean that you're God now. But, it, you know, it's called the, the emptying. And it's, it's, it's a big debate. People get really bent out of shape when you say that Jesus was fully man. Yeah, but he was fully God too. Well, no, not when he was here on this planet. He was the son of God. Anyway, that's for another topic, another day. You know, the point is, is that with for him, it wasn't some weird... He didn't have some special thing that you don't have, other than he was born perfect. We are born into being perfect because when we become born again, we're made righteous, but he was born that way from the beginning. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's not like we can't live like he lived because we have the exact same Holy Spirit. It's just that for some reason, we think he's special beyond what we can do. But he made it perfectly clear that he couldn't do anything except for what his father gave him power to do. And it's the same way with us. We have the exact same spirit. But we get in this place of, you know, thinking that we've got to force the things of God. They asked Jesus, they said, what do we need to do that we might work the works of God? And he said, believe. <laughs> to do the works of God, the answer is believe. And, and we want to make it more complicated than that. You know, w we think that there's something that we have to do to get God to do something to get God to respond to us. And we call that faith. You know, and we're conditioned. We, we live in this cause and effect society where we see that if you do this, then you get this. If you don't do this, then you don't get that. If this happens, then it's because something here started it back then. And so we, but we, we live on the wrong side of that scenario. We live on the effect side rather than the cause side. Because we see all these effects in our lives 
And then we go and try and figure out the causes and blame God half the time. Well, I've got this in my life. So the reason, the why to this is because this cause over here. And it's like you're living, we're living backwards. We're trying to figure out the past by what's happening now. Rather than realizing that we can generate, we can be the cause to produce the desired effect that we want. And it's by his spirit. You know, you just cannot, you cannot ask the why questions and try and figure out the cause of the effects that you're currently walking in and experiencing. Because you will never find the answer. You just won't. Especially if you're trying to figure out why God did something. You're not going to find the answer. The only thing to do is move forward. You decide. You be the cause. And know that the effect that you want can be produced. And Jesus said it, you know, whatever you believe when you pray. Or when you pray, if you believe, whatever you say will come to pass. But we're living backwards. Which is carnal. You know, when, when we're in the flesh, you're trying to figure out the past. When you're in the spirit, you're declaring the future. Because with spirit, you know, there, there is no... There's no time anyway, so there is no past. It's just what there is. There is a paradigm shift in understanding who we are in God that, that, that we just have to make. And it's, it's in Colossians. Let's flip over to Colossians. Because it can be a frustrating statement to say, don't, you know, don't, don't figure out the past. Don't figure out the whys. Don't worry about how you got where you are. Because we think, well, in order to change for the future... I need to know what I've done so I can do it differently. Well, no. The problem is we don't believe that we can have the kind of life that God promises. We disqualify ourselves for so many different reasons. We disqualify ourselves because we compare our life to some other person in some other part of the world and think that it's on a relative scale that... We shouldn't have this because all those people don't have that. And I'm not talking about just material things. I'm just talking about general, what Jesus paid for. If Jesus paid for it on the cross, you should be walking in it right now. We should be walking in it right now. And what did he pay for? You know, let's look at that. In Colossians 2. You know, we have to realize that God's reality is what's true. And then when we harmonize ourselves with that through faith or belief, then his truth becomes our reality. So his reality is what's true. 
But isn't that the frustration? How do we get our reality to match his truth? And it's by his spirit. See, the truth is, is that we already are what we think we need to be. We already exist before God the way that we're trying to become. And we already have all the things that we're trying to get. It's just that they're spiritual truths and we have no clue how to make them physical realities. But it's by his spirit. With the things of God. Now things in this world, in this carnal realm, you know, you can work hard. You can do things. You can make things happen. But the things of God, it's, it's backwards. It's opposite from what we do here. You know, there's a better way than trying to live from the outside in. And it's called the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, everything is finished. It just is. Already. And we're there. He has joined us to his kingdom. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into his kingdom. Not near his kingdom, not around his kingdom, into his kingdom. Now there is the place, obviously, the eternal abode of God and whatever, wherever all that is, you know, that's not, I'm talking about the, the, the spirit that, that we walk in. The authority of the kingdom of God that we walk in now as ambassadors in this place from that eternal abode where he is. So it's not like, you know, God's balled up inside of you, but his power is, his authority is. The same essence that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Giving life right now to your physical body. But it's being blocked. You know, it, here, here's the picture. It's not like you're trying to get God to heal you. He already has. It's just locked up in your spirit. And the doorway is your heart, your beliefs. Let's, let's look at Colossians 2, starting in verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. I mean, take this week and read that every day. And meditate on that. And ask God to give you wisdom and revelation on being complete in him. What does that mean? What does that mean that you are complete in him? What does it look like that you are complete in him? Because you have to personalize it. I could break it down, give you all these nice little points, tie it up in this cute little sermon, but that wouldn't do you any good. You'd walk out of here feeling like you got it, you know, but you need to make this your own. Go home and meditate on what it, what it looks like to be complete in him. You know, church has robbed 
the body by answering and giving solutions that are that salve our conscience, you know, tickle our itching ears, but but don't produce the real fruit that we're truly seeking. And that truth can be that you can walk on this planet just like Jesus did. And it's not something that you have to live up to or try to figure out how to get to happen. It's just by his spirit. You know, and like I said, nobody can teach you how to walk in the spirit. That's something that you have to develop your own personal relationship with God, with the Holy Spirit. Knowing that he's in you, leading you and guiding you into all truth, and telling you exactly what the Father is saying. And you're complete. Let's keep reading. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision that was without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he made alive together with him, having forgiven all of your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to his cross. I mean, man, that's amazing. Basically, all the requirements of anything that you feel like that you've got to do, Jesus paid for it. Nailed it to his cross, wiped it all out of the way, so that we can walk in the reality that we are complete in him. You know, I was talking to Trisha this week and, and Donna, and there's one other person I was talking to about, about, uh, about praying for other people. And this is a mental picture that I have when I pray for people and even when I'm praying for myself that for some reason I've never articulated. But the picture that, that, that I have, that this, this is what works for me. The picture that when I'm praying for somebody else or over a situation in my life is, is I get my mindset. I, I see myself as if I'm what it looks like in heaven with all healing, all provision, everything already completely done. And, and then realize and persuade myself that that, that is what's true now. Now, my reality may not match that eternal truth, but that doesn't make it any less true. And many times, just becoming aware of the truth changes the physical reality without having to bark like a dog and strive for it and roll around on the ground and sing the right song, you know. You guys must not have been to those meetings where they... They lay on the ground and, and actually look like they're birthing babies, birthing in the spirit. Dean, you don't even think about that, do you? <laughs> I, you know, whatever. I'm not, that works, it works. <clears throat> so, and, and, and for some reason, this has always stuck with me. I've got this Michelangelo quote here. 
Michelangelo sculpted, uh, you know, painted Sistine Chapel. He uh, sculpted David. And I think this quote is in reference to, they were asking him about his sculpture of David, King David. And he said, in every block of marble, I see a statue as plain as though it stood before me, shaped and perfect in attitude and action. I have only to hew away the rough walls that imprison the lovely apparition to reveal it to other eyes as mine see it. You know, Michelangelo would look at a big old block of marble and just see already what was there, what that thing was going to look like in the end of it. And so he didn't try to get the picture as he was going. You know, it wasn't something that he even really even had to change plans on. It was just like he saw it, and all he did was begin to shape and take away what didn't need to be there. That's us. We are perfect before him in his sight. Complete in him. Holy, unblameable, unreprovable, which means unpunishable. If God were to punish you for your sins, then he would have to apologize to Jesus. I mean, that's a big statement. You are unpunishable. If God were to judge you, bring judgment on you for your actions, then Jesus is not enough. You got the legalists that say, "Well, what does that mean? You can just sin if you want." Well, you know what? You don't. If you're going to go there with it, you're just looking for a loophole. You forgot the part where he nailed the law to the cross for righteousness. That's that's how he sees us: totally complete. You know, it's it's like it's like where these light these figures of light, this body of light, this image of light, and it's got mud stuck on it. And it's got just stuff all over it. And if we can just wipe that stuff off, then what's really there will shine through. You know, you're not trying to get the mud to shine. You're not trying to get inside the mud and make it shine from the inside out. It's there. It's just stuff covering it up. And the stuff that covers up our perfectness is in our hearts. You know, I I see like a big sheet. Imagine if there were a bright light back there and then a big black sheet right here with just a few pinholes in it. And it's as if the, the sheet is our heart. And back there is who we really are. And on this side is what we're experiencing. And then you just have these small pinholes of what's really the truth back there. And if we could just take our heart and just completely you know, rip it open and let what's in there shine. You know, it's, 
we limit what God is trying to do through us. You know, so many times when we pray for ourselves or when we pray for other people, what we're trying to do is change the person. We're trying to make something change. Or we're trying to change ourselves. Rather than coming into agreement with what the truth is. And see, words are such a major catalyst in manifesting from spirit to physical. Because man has authority in this physical realm. God works through people in this realm. That's why the world looks like what it looks like. He's limited by what he can do through people. What we'll let him do. Basically, God is as sovereign as we'll let him be. If we would just harmonize with what he says is true, it would automatically produce in our lives what it is that he is seeking to do. See, because he's qualified us for the blessing. He's made us perfect. He's made us complete. And all we got to do is get out of the way and let it out. And you do that by persuading your heart of the truth so that your heart is in agreement with the truth of God and it doesn't block what he's trying to do in you anymore. The Spirit of God is in you, giving life to your physical body. Oh, really? Well, I don't feel that. My shoulder hurts. Well, then there's some kind of block there. It's either on our end or it's on his end. He said he's in us giving life to our body. Period. No conditions. And then we go down the path of what the heart is. It's with the heart that man believes. Jesus said, whatever you believe can come to pass. I mean, he literally basically says you can have whatever you believe. But, you know, don't we just basically want God's truth in our life? I mean, if we had what God wants for us in our lives, what else is there? <clears throat> the truth is, it can come about effortlessly. I mean, effortlessly. I mean, seriously, how many times have you tried to change something and then you finally just, God, I don't care if it happens, if it doesn't happen, I'm done. And then all of a sudden, the change happens because you stop trying to force it your way. You finally give up your own strength and rest in him. So much of this is, is it takes a shift in just the way we even see anything, the way we pray, the way we see. And this stuff, I realize it can be challenging because we don't live from the inside out. We live in the effect trying to change the cause. I mean, it's like that's what we do. We, we, we live in the situation, in the circumstance, and worry about what we did to make it happen or what we didn't do to make it happen. 
not realizing that you're already complete in him. And raised with Christ and seated in heavenly places. I mean, how, how many how how many sermons have I preached in the past two years where we've used those scriptures? A lot. Oh, a lot. But 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 there's just so much there. And it, and it takes us resting. Let's look at um, Hebrews. The last scripture I'm going to read. Well, two more, but they're both in Hebrews. I didn't plan on going this long, but I just want to... You know, I, I don't... I, I don't want to do church as usual. I don't want to do the typical thing where, you know, we just, we play the game. I mean, I I believe this place is called to show forth his glory. You know, as all believers are. This place is no different than what he wants to do through all his body. But, you know, we're going to discover the truth of walking in the Spirit. Don't, don't you want to? Don't you want to be in that place, you know, where it's effortless, where change just flows naturally out of your heart? See, because that's the secret of the heart. Whatever you believe in your heart, it will... It just it just comes to pass in so many different ways. On a heart level, on a physical heart level, what you believe in your body actually is attracted back to you. You know, they've done they've done tests where and they've they've brought it down to attitude and expectation, which is basically belief that your cells reproduce in your body what you expect them to. Which means that what you believe literally becomes programmed through your DNA into every single cell in your body. So your cells actually then begin to try to bring about in your body what you believe. Uh, UC Berkeley has done some pretty amazing tests on this. They took a group of... um, Students, I think a dozen students, or two dozen students, one group of a dozen students, they actually practice free throw shots every day. The other 12 group of students, they took them and had them just sit and meditate on seeing themselves make free throw shots every day, and they measured the progress at the end of the study. I think it was just a week. And... You know, they tested them beforehand. The thing is, the group that practiced didn't get that much better of a percentage increase than the group that didn't practice but just sat there and and saw it happen. So the group that sat there and visualized themselves shooting baskets improved pretty much just as much as the group that actually physically practiced. 
they saw it and then their body, I mean, because that takes the skill, right? That takes the physical muscle motor skills to then go in there and shoot better than you did the week before. Every one of them got better. Because they just saw it and it, and it produced the physical effect. That's powerful. You mix in the Holy Spirit with that, realizing that your heart, what you believe, will produce in your body and ultimately in your life automatically what you believe, but then you realize you've got the Holy Spirit influencing your believer, influencing your heart, then what that means is your body, your world, your mind, your life is being programmed by what it is that God is speaking to you. I mean, how could you lose? How could we not experience the blessing? Because we're wrapped in the carnal realm of trying to make it happen rather than resting in him and it being produced in our life as a fruit rather than a goal. His promises are fruit. They're not achievements. Hebrews 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Now, the rebellion is when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, and then Psalm, I think it's Psalm 78 the Holy Spirit speaks and he goes through and he's talking about, you know, I, I, I led you through the wilderness. I led you through the, the water. I stopped Pharaoh's army. I brought you out with all these supplies. I, guard, I protected you during the day with a cloud. I protected you at night with a flame of fire. I made quail fall so much so that you were sick of eating it. I made water come out of a rock. I could have made honey come out of a rock if you weren't complaining about it, he even says. Their clothes didn't wear out. Nobody was sick. Forty years this went on. And so what he's talking about is while they were out there, they made God angry. And when you go back and you actually read the story, it's interesting. It calls it the, the test and the trial. But then the very next scripture says that they're the ones that were testing God. You know, don't you hear the cute little sermons that God will keep you out in the desert to test you until you get to the place where you can believe him? Well, in context of the way God recalls the story, the testing is they were testing him. All right. That's another sermon, too. And it's getting late. Oh, here it is. Where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation. And they said, and said, they always go astray in their heart. You know, he wasn't really concerned with their behavior. He's looking at their heart, even under the old covenant. And they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now... Now, Jesus, or, or as a result of Jesus, in Isaiah 53 and 54, 
there's the prophecy that when Jesus did what he was going to do, that God's wrath would be satisfied and he would no longer be angry with us. That's the promise. That's part of the new covenant. So this, uh, their behavior and their unbelief, God, it made God angry and pour out wrath. We're on this side of the cross. That doesn't happen to us. So he says, verse 12, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And that's what, that's the, that's the, that is the lie of sin, is it hardens your heart. You think it gives you relief, but it doesn't. It makes you desensitized to the voice of God. For we have become partakers of Christ in we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it, is, while it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now, with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with these who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest? but to those who did not obey. It's very interesting that, they, that he ties belief to obey. In the, in the Greek, there's no concept between believing something and not obeying. It's not, a, it's not a performance requirement as much as it is obedience as a fruit of belief. If you believe, then you'll do this. And, and we, we make that, we make that an, an act, a work so to speak. We make that a work of righteousness when, when, when he says that if you believe me, then you'll do this. Well, really what he's saying is if you're an apple tree, you're going to make apples. The fruit of belief is obedience. Says, um, so we see that they could not enter into rest because of their unbelief. Isaac breaks it back to belief. He doesn't say because of their disobedience. He says because of their unbelief. Uh, skip over to Hebrews 4, verse 9. It says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. That's us. And it doesn't mean that remaining, meaning that it's yet to come. It just means there's something for the people of God that we can rest in. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Have you ceased from your works yet? So let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. I mean, it's very clear how he weaves obedience and belief together here. Be diligent to enter that rest. You know, and rest doesn't mean inactivity. Rest doesn't mean you do nothing and then wait for the mailbox God to drop you a check. Rest doesn't mean that you don't follow the Spirit of God when He's telling you to eat differently and then wonder why your body doesn't produce the fruit that you're wanting.
rest doesn't mean inactivity. It just means you're not trying to do it in your own effort. You're not trying to force it. You are following the Spirit of God. And God will lead you to make physical changes because He knows that as He leads you, that your body, your life will change. And that's how it happens. You want physical changes? Listen to the Spirit of God. Let Him lead you into the life that He's trying to get come, to come through you. Because He sees you as perfect. He sees you as holy. And you're totally complete. But you can't make that your physical reality. Uh, that's one of the conversations I plan on having with him is you know, couldn't we have a rule book where we do the things to make it happen I'm kidding because if we would just do it his way it'd be so much easier And, and, and the fundamental issue, and this is my last point, the fundamental issue is do we really believe that he wants nothing but good for you? Because that's not, that's not what's generally preached. It's a little bit of wrath with a little bit of love. You know, a little bit of Works with a little bit of rest. A little bit of judgment with a little bit of grace. Mixed covenant teaching. But that's probably one of the biggest victories the devil has accomplished in modern church is making people think that we are even remotely still under a, an old covenant type of agreement with how God relates to us. He said, I'll never be angry with you again. So if you ever hear anybody tell you God's mad, or you've catch yourself believing that God's even remotely upset with you, you're under the law. And no good can come of that. <laughs> Amen. Um, you want to just do a song? Just whichever, whatever y'all want to do. Father, thank you so much for putting your spirit inside of us. Just, just help us to just repent, change the way we think. And, and just simply start with seeing you as you truly are. And not just like I've painted you here tonight, but you... Father, I ask, and I know that you are, 
that the desire of the people is to seek who you truly are and how you see them. Is, do, do you hear him talking to you? Do, do you feel do you feel him moving you? It's just been one of those nights where I've, I've had this just pause all night long. To just let him do his thing. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. We just rest. We rest in you. Just like it says in Hebrews. And take this home with you tonight. That you are going to cease from your works as he ceased from his works. It's finished and you're complete in him. And you're going to be led by his spirit. Just acknowledge that if that's your decision.